Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. Abba, uh, just thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you for your um, covenantal love for us, and uh, thank you for your presence this morning. We pray that your word would go forth to bless your people, O God, and in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. And so, and so we have come to the text of Lech Lecha. For Messianic Jewish theology, this is a cornerstone text. How do we relate to God's redemptive plan? What is the invitation in the narrative of Avram, later later called Avraham? I'm so excited. I'm just going to jump right in here in Genesis 12, verse 1. Does that sound good? All right. Now, here we go. Adonai said to Avram, what did he say? Lech lecha. Get yourself out of your country, away from your kinsmen, away from your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. Lech lecha. Try that again. How can we translate such a phrase? Figuratively, it's like uh, get up and go, or perhaps go, you, right now, or maybe go forth to your destiny. Literally, it means go toward yourself, or perhaps go for yourself, as if the fulfillment of Abram's calling is to create, uh, to create a new nation is part of his identity, if he's going toward himself, lech lecha. And there are three things from which Avraham must get up and go. There's three things. Number one, his country. Number two, his kinsmen. And number three, his father's house. The first word, country, is Eretz. And here it's translated as country, but it it also means land. So in other words, it's contrasted with the Eretz that he will show Avram, which is the land of promise. So he's saying, go from this Eretz to the Eretz of promise, the land of promise. He also uh, tells him to go from his kinsmen, which is moledet. Moledet is related to the word for birth and for generations. So this could be to, 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 for him to separate from his larger family. And from your father's house, Beit Avecha, this is the final straw, the dominion of his father of his, and his forefathers, right? In the context of the ancient scriptures, one's father's house, this is like your clan. This is, this is um, everything, right? This is your land, and, um, and your, it gives you your identity and your calling. And God is saying, leave all that behind. I'm going to give you a new identity and a new calling. And as if that were not enough, we understand that Avram is also leaving behind... Uh, his inheritance, right? His family, his life. Maybe he had a, a, a business, you know, or maybe he had a nice uh, storefront, and uh, God was like, just leave all of that, right? 
And Abram is to leave all of that behind for this land that God will show him. Not now, though. I'll show you in the future. I'll just tell you when you get there, right? Kind of like if you're following a GPS, right? And you're just, you're just going direction by direction, and you, we, don't, we don't know. The, we've put in the final destination, but we don't, we're not really thinking about that, right? We're just trusting step by step. This is the, the, the God, God's GPS, the first GPS, I think, in, in, the, in the history of the world is right here. But the calling is confirmed with a promise. And this is what he says in verse 2. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, for you are to be a blessing. It says in Hebrew, Ve'esecha legoi gadol ve'avarechecha ve'agadla shemecha ve'chaye baracha. Twice the barucha that is mentioned, twice the blessing, and twice greatness, gadol, is mentioned, right? Isn't this the goal of humanity, that greatness, to be gadol, great, big, mighty, fruitful? Of course, we want our name, our shem, which is identity and name and reputation, we want that to be great. And one chapter ago, in chapter 11, of Genesis, that's what we were doing with the Tower of Babel. And I've talked about this before. And we were bolstered by the most amazing new technology. Are you ready for this? The brick. Ooh. Ah, the brick. Maybe not so amazing to us now, right, with our eye tchotchkes or whatever. But back then, this was a big deal. And humanity said in Genesis 11.4, Come. Let's build ourselves a city, build to ourselves, Lanu, that it has its top reaching up into heaven with a tower that has its top reaching up so that we can make a name for ourselves, right? Back to us again, Lanu, to us and not be scattered all over the earth. So let's build up our name, our Shem, our reputation, our identity, and let's go up to heaven and take over the throne of God. And as we've seen in previous examinations of this text, this is the kingdom of Babel. But this is not what is happening with Avram. God is the one blessing him. God is making his name great. Avram did not seek to make himself great. God wants to make him into a mighty nation to increase his shem, his reputation, Avram is for God, and God is for Avram. But why? Why? Why would God choose this man? Why would God increase his name and bless Avram? Is it just for his own sake, just so he can be all great and awesome and mighty? Verse 3 provides the answer. It says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who curses you. And by you, that little, uh, that little preposition there is, Becha, try that. Becha, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So this is, another, this is a very important pronoun here. There's another pronoun at work that's different from the ones we've seen. Becha, which means by you, or perhaps in you, or better yet, through you. 
So lecha, to you, a blessing, and becha, through you, a blessing. To Israel and through Israel, a blessing. God's redeeming purpose in the narrative of the Tanakh is to mediate blessing. The, the, the key preposition word here is through. To and through Avram, to and through the children, the children of Avram, Israel, to bring a blessing. And this will occur by blessing his descendants in a very particular real estate, which Avram still doesn't know what it is, but he's, he's uh, holding out. So, we continue. So Avram went, as Adonai said to him, and Lot went with him. Avram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Avram took his wife Sarai, his brother's son Lot, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, as well as the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, that is Canaan, and entered the land of Canaan. Avram passed through the land to a place called Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. The Canaanites, Canaani, were in the land, and Adonai appeared to Avram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. I want us to imagine this for a moment, okay? The sheer trust that this must have taken. To, okay, so leave your land, leave your family, your father's house, your everything, and just start walking. And some hundreds of miles later, okay, this, right here, stop. This is the spot I'm going to give to your descendants who will be numerous and blessed, and I'm going to bless every nation through you and magnify your identity and reputation through that blessing. I imagine that Avram was in awe. He was in awe of this promise. God's purpose is to bring blessing to all nations through the one nation, Israel. And this is the crux of his redemptive plan for the world. But why Avram and his descendants? Why not uh, another guy, right? There's plenty of folks in Haran, I'm sure, that um, might have done a good job, right? The text never tells us, so we're left to wonder. We're left to examine the text to, to find out why Abraham, right? And so let's do that. One can propose an answer. Let's think about this. Perhaps because Avram showed particularly good behavior, right? Maybe he was of such impeccable character, and that is why God chose him. And there's evidence of this, right? God, God shows us that Abram, he's no slouch in the good deeds department, but he's not perfect. So just a few verses later, uh, after a reiteration of the promise that God will bless Avram's descendants and give them the land of Canaan, we find an interesting episode in Genesis 12. So Avram comes close to Egypt, and he says to his wife, Look, honey, you know, I know, you know, we all know you're a very attractive woman, okay? A real catch. So uh, when the Egyptians see you and then they see me, they're going to say, well, well, let's kill this guy and take his awesome wife. So, okay, here's the plan. You say that you're my sister and that things will go well for me, you know, avoiding the whole death by killing thing, 
Okay, sound like a plan? Okay, great. Hands in the center. What's the word? Mr. She's my sister on three. One, two, three. Mr. She's my sister. All right. Everybody likes the plan. Okay. So poor innocent Pharaoh, he sees Sarai, his wife, and indeed did notice how attractive she was, seeing as how everything is on the up and up, being Avram's sister and all. Uh, Sarai was taken into his house. But then the plagues come. Oy. And Pharaoh gets wise of this ruse, and he confronts Avram. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Dude, not cool. Just get out of here. Okay, so that's what happens. So what's going on here? We have fear, which leads to deception, which leads to plagues and miscommunication. Not to mention, I can't imagine the argument this caused in the household later that night. Honey, they they were going to kill me. What was I supposed to do? Avram, you don't know that, okay? You just left me with this guy. This was supposed to be our anniversary. I'm, I'm extrapolating here, but okay. So obviously Avram wasn't chosen to mediate blessing to all nations because of his own squeaky clean behavior, right? So then what was it? What was it about Avram? Well, let's continue the narrative and see if we can figure it out. So Avram parts ways with Lot, his nephew, and the promise is repeated in Genesis 13, verses 14 through 17. And this is what it says. Adonai said to Avram, after Lot had moved away from him, look all around you where you are, to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever, And I will make your descendants as numerous as the specks of dust on the earth, so that if a person can count the specks of dust on the earth, then your descendants can be counted. Get up and walk through the length and breadth of the land, because I will, what? I will give it to you. This is, honestly, this is starting to get a little repetitive. This would be the third iteration of the promise in the text. When God repeats things, perhaps there's a reason. Amen? What I'm saying is perhaps there's a reason for the repetition. In other words, maybe the Torah is trying to get our attention through the redundancy. In other, no, okay, I'll stop there. Okay, so anyways, it's a tough crowd today. Anyways, God is going to bless his descendants and place them in the land of promise and thereby bless all nations. But now Avram is starting to wonder some things. He's wondering about the how. How? How is this going to happen? Because there's a problem. Avram and his sister, and his wife, sorry, not his sister, (laughs) his wife Sarai are past the age of childbearing. So Avram, he does some troubleshooting with with God. And we heard about this in uh, in our awesome drash. Amen? So this is what he does. This is Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. Sometime later, the word of Adonai came to Avram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Avram. I am your protector. Your reward will be very great. And Avram replied, Adonai, God, what good will your gifts be to me if I continue childless? And Eliezer from Damasek, Damascus, inherits my possessions. You haven't given me a child, Avram continued. So someone born in my house will be my heir. So he's troubleshooting, right? But the word of Adonai came to him, 
This man, Eliezer, will not be your heir. No, your heir will be a child from your own body. Then he brought him outside and said, look up at the sky, count the stars. If you can count them, your descendants will be that many. He believed Adonai and credited it to him as righteousness. Amen. Perhaps Avram was thinking, okay, so is it going to be this Eliezer guy who was born in my house? How exactly is he my descendant? I know you said, but how is this going to work out? I mean, I trust you. I get the idea of the promise, but I don't, I don't see the how. And God explains, and he repeats. He repeats his promise a third time. Notice also verse 6. This is one of Rav Shaul's favorite verses to quote. Avram believed God, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Hmm. So Avram's record wasn't squeaky clean, and Avram didn't know exactly how God was going to do it, but the key is that he, what? Believed. He believed God. That is, he was righteous because of his trusting, his faith, his allegiance, his trust relationship with God. Perhaps that is the characteristic of Avram that enabled for God's redemptive plan to unfold through him. Perhaps that is why God chose Avram. And we will see that God continues to repeat this promise to him through every episode of his journey. However, even though Avram is is trusting God, the details and the how of the redemption plan, there's still a process that he's working out. And Avram has some more questions for God. So then he said to him, I am Adonai who brought you up from out of Ur of Kazdim to give you this land as your possession. And he replied, Adonai, God, how am I to know that I will possess it? So I, I believe you, I trust you, but how do I know? Right, so I've left my home and family and I trust you, but I want to know the how and I want to know I want to know that I know, right? I just want that, that reassurance, okay? So God instructs him to make a sacrifice, and this is the first part of the text which actually uses the word covenant. And this is a covenant here that God makes with Avram in Genesis 15, verses 18 through 21. On that day, the Lord made with a covenant with Avram. Everyone say Covenant. And said, this is going to sound familiar, to your descendants, I will give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, Jebusites, Stalactites, Stalagmites, all the ites. Okay? This is the second major covenant in Scripture. The first one, remember, was with Noah. Okay? And that was about God's purpose. God's purpose is not to destroy the earth with a flood, to just confront the evilness of humanity, but his purpose is to bless us, protect us, to redeem the earth. The second covenant with Avram, it expands on this first covenant. It's, it's kind of an extension of it. Do we see that? It's a redemption plan of the earth by mediation, mediation of blessing in land and fruitfulness to Israel and through Israel, the descendants of Avram. This would also make it 
the fourth time that God has shared this promise with Abram in the Hebrew Scriptures. It's now sealed in a covenant. But the how, the how of the covenant, it's still unsettled in Abram's mind. So Sarai, his wife, suggests a plan. Okay, so God hasn't provided an heir in order for the fulfillment of the promise. So here, here's what I'm thinking, Abram. Why don't you lie down with our maidservant, Hagar, and we can have children through the surrogate? To which Abram says, you know, that sounds great. And Hagar bore to Avram Ishmael. Well, I'm not sure that God appreciated all the help that Avram was trying to provide to fulfill this redemption plan by lying with his maidservant and having a son with her. Clearly still wrestling with the how of the promise, Abram still trusts God. He still trusts God. And God continues to reassure him despite this, this struggle, right? Do you think we could go for a fifth time that God will tell him the promise? You think so? Well, let's check. These are, these are excerpts from Genesis 17. When Avram was 99 years old, Adonai appeared to Avram and said to him, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Walk in my presence and be pure-hearted. I will make my covenant between me and you. And I will increase your numbers greatly. Avram fell on his face, and God continued speaking with him. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Avram, exalted father, but your name will be Avraham, father of many. Because I have made you the father of many nations. I will cause you to be very fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will descend from you. I am establishing my covenant between me and you, along with your descendants after you, generation after generation, as an everlasting covenant to be God for you and your descendants after you. I will give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are now foreigners, all the land of Canaan, as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you are to keep my covenant and your descendants after you, generation after generation. Here is my covenant, which you are to keep. Now Abraham has a part to do between me and you, along with your descendants after you. What is it? Every male among you is to be circumcised. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are not to call her Sarai, which is mockery, but you, her name is to be Sarah, princess, and I will bless her. Moreover, I will give you a son, through her, by her. Truly, I will bless her. She will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. At this, Avraham fell on his face and laughed. He thought to himself, will a child be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah give birth at 90? Avraham said to God, if only Ishmael could live in your presence. What about this great plan? We had a great plan, right? And God answered, no. But Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son. And you are to call him Yitzhak, laughter. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So there's a lot going on here in this fifth repetition of the promise. There's first, there's the revelation 
of the full action of the covenant on Abram's part. Now he has something to do, which is circumcision. Circumcision is the identifier of Jewish identity through even to the New Testament. Um, It's the way Paul uses it. And up until today, through the Brit Milah ceremony. And Avram is now Avraham with another letter. What's that letter that he has now? Hey. The hey, the H, the one that makes the H sound. And Sarai is now Sarah. What does she have in her name? She also has a hey. Some rabbis have noted that this hey perhaps represents Hashem. That is the ineffable name of God, yud heh vav heh being marked inside the identities of Avraham and Sarah. This fits with the beginning of the Parsha, doesn't it? I will make your name great, because God's name, his identity, his reputation, his goodness, his name is great, and God is putting his name in Avraham and Sarah so that through them, his goodness and identity will spread to all the nations. This is just like God's first command to Adam. And God brushes past Avraham's Ishmael plan. He says, well, don't worry about that because I'm going to give you a son, Isaac. This is the Isaac plan, and this is a plan based on trusting. And the how, the how is finally revealed to Avraham. So we can see in the narrative of Avraham, there's a consistent trusting which leads to righteousness, which is the basis of his calling. And we see at the same time, there's a man struggling. He's struggling with his wife. He's struggling with the specifics of the promise, and he's trying to help God out a little bit with the promise. But underlying these struggles, there's a trust which leads to righteousness, a trust. In the book of Romans chapter 4, Rav Shaul identifies the key verse that Abraham was made righteous through trusting, and explains that this is not only written about him, but it's for us. It's for us so we can see how God's redemptive plan works, how it worked for Abraham and how it works for us. That is, God invites us into this story to be children of Abraham. Who wants to be a child of Abraham, right? And how do we do this? How do we do this? How can we be children of Avraham, the heirs of the promise of mediating blessing? We have inherited this blessing, Jews and Gentiles, by the same trusting that Avraham had. That is, by his example. We trust in the fulfillment of this mediating blessing to the nations, brought to completion in Yeshua the Messiah. God's plan was to mediate blessing through the children of Abraham by trusting. And now he has grafted into that plan all who trust in Yeshua, both Jew and Gentile. He has made a way for all nations to be in the commonwealth of Israel, to come alongside and share in this redemption plan of the world through Yeshua. And he has reaffirmed the original children of Avraham into this plan by the same trusting in Yeshua. The scriptural narrative is inviting us to have Abraham's trust. 
if we are to be true children of Abraham. Not the trust of perfect deeds, but the trust through the process. Because our connection with God, it's relational and it's personal. He is inviting us to believe in his covenantal love, to rest in his goodness and redemption plan, and to give our very lives, to leave behind our country and our Father's house, to give our very lives for him, for this relationship with God. Lech Lecha, he calls to us, the children of Avraham. He says, go from your old country and trust him to bring you into a new land that he will show you to make your name great, to bring blessing to a hurting world through you, through you. And now we know how and we know why. The trust, that faithfulness, that allegiance and faith is made complete in Yeshua. And that is the how and the why that we are children of Abraham. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, we thank you for um, your faithfulness to Avraham. Um, and we thank you that we are made righteous by trusting. And um, the fullness of that trusting is brought forth in Yeshua the Messiah, that you have made us a way for us to be true children of Avraham, to continue this redemption plan for the hurting world, and that we thank you that you have asked us to give up our very lives, just as you asked Abraham, O oh God, um, for you through Yeshua the Messiah, and that um, you are, but you're going to bless us, and the promise that you're going to use us, and you're going to make our names great um, so that your name can be great in this world. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.